Hey, well, welcome to a bonus episode of the Rusty George Podcast, and I'm joined here with my friend, Ted Wright. Ted, and not Ted Wright that was on Caddyshack, uh, <laughs> may he rest in peace. Uh, this is a different Ted Wright, and Ted, um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, for those who are not watching this on YouTube, um, Ted is a man with black skin, but uh, he provides so much wisdom to me about what that means and just dealing with race in our country. And he and his wife have been uh, huge uh, contributors to our church through their service and work and prayers and leading a small group and incredible stuff. So, Ted, welcome. Good to have you uh, uh, on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me, Rusty. It's always a pleasure to speak, see and speak to you. Yeah, so people can probably tell right away from your accent um, that you're not from around here. So you are from the Bahamas. Uh, what was it like to grow up there? Um, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's not so much different from here because one is proximity. It's right off the coast of Florida. So, you know, we were always around or in Florida. So we get a we get a pretty good perspective, and two, it's a very conservative atmosphere. So so I, I think that it's not that different from many many states, I would mm-hmm. say, as far as just the, the the culture. So those of us that have only been to the Bahamas on vacation, we just assume it's all like uh, you know, cruise ships and, and beaches and that kind of stuff. But you probably oh, no. saw a little bit of a different world. Is that right? Absolutely. It's, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more, um, you know, it's a very service-oriented culture. Um, there's a lot of middle class. There's a lot of middle class, upper middle class. So it's, it's a pretty thriving economy. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a unique perspective. So when did you move to the United States? Oh, Probably 30, almost, but 30 years ago or so. Oh, so almost you were five. Years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, when I was born, I moved immediately. <laughs> That's good. So you've been uh, stateside for 30 years then. So, I mean, you, you know, obviously, I mean, this is pretty much obviously home for you. Absolutely. But you were telling me earlier, you go back and forth from time to time just to see family. And... Here you're in the minority, there you're in the majority. What's that feel like? You mentioned that it's, you could, it's a palpable feeling the moment you Very get off palpable. the plane. What's that like? Yeah, you, you know, the, you know if, I could, if I could liken it to when we used the term first world and third world countries, well, a first world feel is one where you, you, you feel val- you'll feel a lot more valued as far as your opinions um, your, the tolerance level with you is a lot different. So, you know, when you're in the majority, what I, what you find is that when you talk in groups, people listen to what you say more actively, hmm. as opposed to, you know, you have to do a lot more convincing in order to get your point across. And secondly, um, the tolerance level is different. So tolerance in the sense that uh, with uh, an example would be like a friendship. Um, mm. you, you, you walk a thinner line when you're, when you're the minority. So, mm. you know, and, and part of it has to do with 
with I think part of it is just ignorance on 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 all parties' part. When you're when I'm in the Bahamas, I can have conversations and disagreements with individuals, and those disagreements don't end our friendships. Here, mm. you walk such a thin line sometimes that you know if you have a falling out with an individual. The friendship could end very, very quickly because the tolerance level is very different when you mix races. So I'm talking interracial friendships, interracial relationships. So knowing what you know now, having walked both sides of the majority-minority issue, dealing with the issues that we're dealing with right now in America, let's just let's stick with that first of all. Sure. What things have you learned are helpful or even difficult when it comes to majority-minority positions before we even get into um, race issues? Uh, what, what have you found works in helping uh, converse with the other side, so to speak? I think tolerance is, is, is very important. <clears throat> when, you, when you converse with, I'll just use a white person as an example, just to keep it very generic, white, black, um, you have to actively or intentionally say to yourself that um, the other person may be ignorant of certain things about, you know, sensitivities to you. And you have to accept that those ignorances, because they go both ways, are sensitivities that you will just have to learn and understand. So I think learning and understanding as well as immersing yourself in people of different cultures, backgrounds, creed, religions, break down a lot of those barriers and allow for the tolerance. So if, we, if, we, if Rusty were to crack a joke about something and say something like, oh, Ted is from Barbados. <laughs> some people, of course, when they hear Bahamas or something like that, some, you know, rather than saying, oh, well, we're those are different cultures we're different blah 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 and getting upset part of it could be people just don't know any different so you have to be tolerant of differences because it allows people to be comfortable mm -hmm. and not be overly sensitive to everything because i think it it, it, put, it puts a void between that relationship and makes it harder you want to make it easier for a white person to get to know you mm -hmm. and vice versa. You mentioned the word ignorance. I thought that was a great choice of words. And I'm learning how much I don't know through this whole process. What do we not know? Speak to white America right now. What do we not know? What are we, or are we mostly ignorant about? I think ignorant about what blacks really live through on a regular basis, when I say regular, you're not, we're not on the ground with someone's knee on our neck every day. That's, 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 that's the exception to the rule. But ignorant to a listening voice. I think as simple as acknowledging that what you say as far as being looked at, being judged at, being, having expectations, being different, it's not a, it's obviously it's hard to say it's palpable from a sense that you can point to it on a regular basis, but it is real. And the act of actively listening, not hearing, I think will make a world of a difference in this country 
um, and I'll just throw one thing else that it, you look through many cultures in this world and history, and I, I wouldn't name them. I'm a big histo his, historian, history buff. The act of acknowledging that these things exist goes a long way. Acknowledging that it that racism actually exists in the, this country is worth millions of dollars. We, we get caught up into things like, how much is this going to cost us? Believe it or not, the currency of actively listening and acknowledging is, is so valuable and worth so much that that could move us light years ahead in relationship. Just that alone would change everything. Okay, so I got to know more about that. If we listened more, what would we learn? Uh, if you listened more, then you would learn that blacks are no different than whites. Mm -hmm. That's what you literally learn is that. Um, and stereotypes are things that stereotypes are good and bad. Because there are cultural nuances <clears throat> to white culture, black culture, but within each culture, there's subcultures where there are nuances. You know, they say people from the South talk different from those from New York, right? But these are the beautiful things that, that I think brings this country together with, with a, I think a kaleidoscope of, of history, of wonder. And if we embrace those things, but realize at the core, we're no different. If, 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 your, if your child is suffering under that, in a situation like what we saw a few weeks ago, you would feel it. Mm -hmm. And you would, I would feel it for you too. Mm -hmm. And there's no different. So the, the more we realize that, you know, culturally, we're actually all the same. The easy, culturally and active listening would change everything. Mm. and embrace whatever the nuances are of our differences. That's all it, that's all it really is. Right. Do you think that, well, first of all, let's start with this, racial tension. I mean, obviously we see evidence of that in the streets right now, but to those out there that think this is not that big a deal, this is a few people that got upset over something that was horrific, but let's not, destroy buildings and make a big deal about this and have sweeping reform and we just need to get back to normal what would you say to that i would say there's there's some truth and non-truth in 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 those statements the truth i think is you know we should not be destroying buildings because somebody's going to pay for it and chances are it's going to be us long term right because collectively we're going to pay for it Mm -hmm. um, so that's not the answer. The, as far as there are b bad apples and there are bad apples in all professions, not just police. So we, we, we need to make a distinction between bad actors and an entire, an entire institutions because there are bad actors in every profession and in every institution the idea is from a democracy perspective, we want everyone to be able to not have to fear the bad actors, wherever mm -hmm. they may be. So 
in order to tend to deal with bad actors, you need to have sufficient deterrence in order for that to happen. You know, you think of back in the Cold War days, the reason why we never went to war with the then Soviet Union is because we all had nuclear arsenal and nobody wanted to be the first one to fire. So that was a deterrence by itself. Mm -hmm. We have a justice system that needs to make sure that there is enough deterrence so that the bad actors would, one, not want to be a part of an institution where the deterrence is strong enough to discourage that. And two, when it does happen, it's dealt with effectively such that nobody can feel marginalized. Mm. And lastly, if we are, it, it is real. Um, and the thing is, unless you live it, it's hard to say, point to it. So unless you get to that, if, unless you get to the point where you, as a white person, you say, you know something, we've tried so many different things. We've tried this type of way of dealing with it that way. Maybe if we try the listening approach and accept that it is real. Mm. And, and the last proof point of why, how, how is inequality, whether it's racial inequality, how does that tend to show up in the numbers? Mm. You know, it shows up, I'll say racial inequality, gender inequality, they all tend to show up in economic inequality. So, you know, we, we see gender inequality as an example. I'm a, I'm a, I am a big advocate of it. You know, we had the 1920, we had the suffrage movement where with women's rights were finally came to fruition. But since even in that period, you, you'll notice that the, the gap between the earnings of women and men is, has been pretty, well, it's closed, but it's still pretty wide. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason for that if they're, do, if they're doing the exact same job. So in like-for-like like professions, we see that inequality. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's professional or not, and in racial, it still exists. Mm. So there's no, you know, if you want to get over the gender and just say black versus black, that inequality shows up. And these are like for like professions. It, it is actually real. You know, I work in the professional world. It's real. And the numbers don't lie. So these are not numbers that are coming from one side of the aisle. These are just government numbers. They've been there for decades throughout um, administrations. So, so they're real. You know, over the past few weeks, I've had many conversations with people that tell me their stories of injustice. And so far, none of them have involved the police. In other words, I think where police get upset is, wait a second, this one guy in Minneapolis does not indicate all of us. And I would completely agree. There's a lot of men and women out there with spotless records who are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And many African-Americans that are in the police force. Amen. So the problem is, is that racism doesn't always just hide behind a badge. It's, it's behind all of our eyes. And so the stories I heard were, you know, I was followed around in a grocery store by a store clerk because they thought I might steal. Um, you know, I was overlooked at a, uh, um, a restaurant for somebody else while I was, I was next in line. You know, these kind of 
I'm overlooked, I'm less than kind of scenarios. I'm sure you've experienced those. Do you think it's the same as it's always been? You've been here 30 years in this country. Is it getting worse or is it getting better? I have a definitive answer to that. It is getting better. Let me tell you why it's getting better. You have protests going on in this country right now. And in many frame shots that you see, you'll notice something that's not atypical. In many shots, there are actually more whites, Hispanics, Asians that are protesting in those mm -hmm. shots than blacks. Mm -hmm. You're seeing a drive in humanity going on in this country. Mm -hmm. And here's the one distinguishing difference between this protest and the protests in 1968 in Selma, the protests in LA, of course, with the King riots and, and protests um, in the 90s. The one difference is many of our most sacred institutions, and I, and I mean by that, churches, are leading the charge in encouraging white folks to actually listen before becoming defensive. That's been the key all, all along. It's literally, that is the key. Mm. You know, we, we get into conversations of, oh, well, if we open up this and this race will want this and want that. Actually, some people just want that you will listen because for listening first, and you said, okay, maybe I am wrong and it does exist that will break down some barriers. I found in our lives, my wife, me, and I, you know, if you look at our, just for example, our Facebook page, it's littered with people of different races. Because mm. we don't believe in looking at people like that. You know, I've learned a long time ago a hard lesson, which is an easy lesson, of don't judge the book by its cover. Mm -hmm. I would guarantee you 90% of the time, I look at somebody and I make a value judgment. 90% of the time, I'm, I'm wrong, which gives me confidence. And you cannot tell a person based of, of their, cannot tell their character based on how they look. So I think it's different in that there's a real palpable movement. And I think that movement kickstarted things like the gender movement that's going on now with women. So those things are are all happening at the same time. I think we are living in a time period where somebody's, somebody's going to ask you and I 20 years from now, where were you? Mm. Just like 1968 mm -hmm. or 60, you know, 68, 64, 65, Civil Rights Voting Act 65, when they're going to ask, where were you when history was being made and were you a part of the problem or solution? Mm. And your point on the police, it is spot on. There are bad actors in all profession. The thing is, one bad boss who denies a woman a promotion because she is a woman and not because of her competency is one bad boss too many. Mm -hmm. So most bosses are are. I would think are fair. They might, some may be tough, but fair. But you have enough 
if you get one of them, one is too many. Mm -hmm. So one bad actor is too many. Yeah, I heard somebody say this week that that's one profession that you can't have a few bad apples. No. Uh, and uh, I would agree. And he, he referenced it to, you don't want a bad apple in your doctors and you don't want a bad apple in your law enforcement <laughs> as well. And yeah. The consequences can be deadly yes. in both cases. Absolutely. All right, let me ask you this. Um, as a result of all these conversations we've been having, I think that a lot of white America has been convinced to walk across the room, so to speak, befriend somebody that looks different than them, ask them how they're really doing. I would imagine for someone like you and many others who have had bad experiences with white people and maybe a little skeptical for good reason that this is all an act, a show, or won't last long, coach me as a white person of how to talk to you so that it's authentic, it's genuine, and it's not just for show. I, I think it actually, if, 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 that, if, if Rusty is willing to walk across the room, then I, have to, I think I, I have enough, as much responsibility to allow him to make mistakes. Hmm. I think it's a, it, it goes both ways. And maybe this again is going back to from a cultural thing of coming from a, a place where there was, you know, racial integration was fine. Mm -hmm. You grew up with it and it's normal. But you have to, you have to be as accepting, as forgiving as a black person in order for that other person to make any inroads into your life. Because if you set up a barrier and so you start off with the premise that they're not genuine, then you've defeated their efforts to walk across the room in the first place. And you could end up with a bigger problem in the future in race relations. Because to be honest with you, you can't ask a person for a lot more in building trust than listening to me and acknowledging that what I say is real. Mm. And you, you, it's, it's almost like you, you're, you're, they, they take the first step, but you've got to take the second step or else then you're just as much as fault 10 years down the line, if it doesn't work. Mm. And the, the tolerance, we have to accept that prejudices is very different from being a racist mm. prejudices is present with all of us i will say some things to rusty who may have been born in kansas or in the midwest <laughs> the non-minnesota midwest yes that may be sensitive to him or i may find it comical but i don't know until he tells me but as long as he understands that that's just my ignorance Mm. He can always whisper it to me at, you know, some Kansans may not like that. And then you, we move on. But you have to take sort of a semi-lighthearted approach and allow mistakes. Because mm -hmm. when, when we're with our black friends or our white friends, we allow them to make mistakes, say stupid things. The premise is, it's okay. I can correct you. And it was said out of, from, a, from a premise of innocence. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a, it's a two-way street, and I will I if 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 the if the black America does not embrace that walk across the aisle, it's they have no one else to blame after that point. I think so. I think it's a it's a it's a welcome move. That's so good. Ted, as always, our conversations are enlightening and I always walk away smarter than I, I was walking into it. Likewise. Except when you talk about uh, St. Louis Cardinals baseball. Other than that, I think we're Still my team. Good. I know. I know. Still my team. <laughs> well, buddy, I really appreciate you, uh, you coming on and giving us some insight. Appreciate all that you and your family do for our churches and really appreciate your support and prayers over the years. Uh, thank you so much, Tom. You know, your family is near and dear to us. Mia said to tell you guys hello as well. And we love you and appreciate you. And thank you so much for leading the charge as a church in making a real life difference. Well, thank you, Ted. And thank you all for listening. And if you're watching this on YouTube and so grateful for all the support of the podcast. And we will be back soon with a new episode. <laughs>